Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Impact Real Estate Podcast presented by Jackson Lucas Executive Search. I am your host, Chris Papa, joined today by Victoria Whitaker. Victoria, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great up here in Northern California. You're down in L.A., correct? I am in in Southern California. It is sunny today, as always. Sunny here, too. Um, So, Victoria, is this is your first Jackson Lucas Impact Real Estate Podcast, and we look forward to having you all season. Uh, Can you tell the world who you are and what you do? Yes, I'm Victoria Whitaker, and I'm a director here at Jackson Lucas. Uh, I've been recruiting for the last few months with Chris and the team in the real estate team and specifically focused on real estate. I come with a little bit of real estate background, a lot of leadership development background, and I'm excited to bring the skills to the team and hear a little bit more today about the impact that Crim's having in his work as well. Well, we're all very excited to have you on board. So thanks for for helping out with the podcast. Um, So today we're speaking with a titan in the affordable space based in New York City. Mr. Karim Hudson, he's the founder of Genesis Companies. It's a super impactful conversation with a real estate leader whose company takes underutilized properties and maximizes them for the underserved in our communities. We're excited to have Karim on the show, and let's welcome him now. All right, Karim Hudson, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on. I'm doing fantastic. Coming to you from New York City. The Big Apple. How is the weather there? It's kind of like unpredictable. We're in the 60s. I have my I had my short sleeves on. Thought I could do that again today, and was uh, woke up and had a uh, very uh, rude awakening. So, <laughs> is it cold today? It is a little chilly today, so up and down. But I think we've crossed that hump where it's like it's not going to go 30s anymore, but like, you know, 50s and creep up. So what about out there in California? Well, we also have my colleague, Victoria Whitaker. Victoria's down in the I'm up in the Bay Area. So I live in kind of near Palo Alto. And then Victoria's a little bit east of L.A. How's it? Right. I mean, I I haven't been outside today, actually. (laughs) I've, uh, but it looks very sunny. There's a bird. It's chirping and stuff. It's pretty nice. How about you, Victoria? Um, so I just got back from Mexico, um, where it was very warm. Um, but yeah, actually I think there was a storm when I was gone. And so the mountains are like covered in snow, but it's like 70 degrees. So it's kind of the best of all. I love it. Very jealous. Very jealous. (laughs) (laughs) So Krim, you are, uh, the founder of Genesis companies. Um, I've been hearing, I've been seeing you a lot in the news lately, Uh-oh. or at least your company, <laughs> your company for good things. That's can good. you tell, can you tell everybody, uh, just more about Genesis, please? Absolutely. So, um, Genesis companies was, uh, founded in 2004. We're MB company. Um, and our focus is on, um, building and preserving affordable workforce, mixed income uh, properties. Um, really throughout the Northeast. Our focus has historically been kind of New York and New Jersey, but we're quickly expanding that. Um, I mean, given, as you guys know, the vast need for affordable housing, I think they were playing an integral role in trying to solve that need for families. And I think we pride ourselves on not only being builders of of quality housing and sustainable housing, but also um, really being advocates for the communities in which we work. So we try to 
blend uh, our financial kind of real estate acumen with, you know, trying to understand the communities and hopefully see progress in those communities as we, as we build and, and grow communities. Gotcha. And you guys are based in New York, right? Based um, in Yes. Where's your office when you're in the office? So that's a good point. So we're totally <laughs> virtual right now, uh, which we actually love. You know, we had a, we had a sad real estate store. We were down in Soho and our office flooded. This is pre COVID. Oh, wow. So we had to go remote. So we, we kind of had uh, hands-on training and how to be remote uh, way before COVID hit. So when when it hit a few months later, we were ready to go. And so, um, you know, I just have a phenomenal staff uh, that has just taken the bulls by the horn and continue to progress and continue to live up to the mission. And we've just been extremely productive. So we've kind of uh, kept a pretty much remote footprint, but we do have offices and various of our buildings throughout the city where people can go and stake out if they feel like it and mm. work from there. But, you know, we've completely embraced collaborative virtual work, um, whether on the uh, conference side, as well as kind of on the collaboration side when it comes to, you know, our financial models, et cetera. How do you do that with, um, I mean, I've been virtually remote. I mean, I moved from New York 10 years ago. And I've been kind of remote the whole time, like the last 10 years, basically. Um, and Victoria's, you've been remote for a long time, too, I think, mainly. How do you guys keep, like, I guess the hardest part for us is keeping, like, junior people who don't really know the business, kind of, like, get them up to speed. And it was a little off topic, but, like, how do you guys handle that situation? You know, we onboarded a few folks, and it's gone well. I mean, first of all, you know, we have a lot of folks who have been in the company for a long time. But, you know, when I say we fully embrace the, you know, virtual collaborative workspace, I mean, we do that. I mean, we fully utilize Office 365. I mean, I've literally been on phone calls where we reviewed a model and I kind of brought all my managers on, whether they were senior or junior. And like literally they can watch me as I work the model and I can watch them as they're working the model. And we'll just sit there and do it together. And it's not like training time. It's like we're actually working on a real model and trying to actually get to a result and working through it and asking questions of each other. And, um, you know, I, and it's funny, like I tell my folks, you know, if you're internal, don't email me. So we're completely on, you know, whether it's, uh, teams, which is, you know, chat and collaborative, you know, in the files, SharePoints. I mean, we've completely embraced that. And I think, I think you either have to be all in or not. And I think if you're not all in, it's hard to be as productive as you can be in a virtual environment. Yeah. Like Victoria, um, one of her specialties is she actually works as a consultant with firms to help them um, embrace like diversity, inclusion. She helps them set up um, like maybe you can explain a little bit, Victoria. Yeah, so no, I've worked with a variety of firms and just on big pro big culture problems that people are, all tr are trying to solve. And so one specific I did help a firm trans transfer into like. Um, you know, the COVID world, which was very difficult and totally agree with you that either if either you're using the tools or you're not, and if you're kind of straddling those worlds, then um, that makes it very difficult for, you know, your entire company to kind of stay on the same page. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely help think about culture. And so how, how do you kind of think about building culture in, in this virtual world, specifically at your firm? I, um, you know, it's a great, that's a question to me, right, Victoria? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I would say this, like, I think, you know, 
I've always thought about the business as being, you know, for, I, I hope from a, like a, um, a progressive standpoint, like, you know, real estate's an old school business, right? Like it's been around a long time and there are people who have done very well in it, doing it a certain type of way, especially in New York. Um, and, you know, I've tried to approach, you know, as a, you know, we started in 2004, we've been around 18 years. It's, it's, you know, it's a business that if you look at it from the perspective of, Hey, here's a small business or a medium sized business been around 18 years. Oh my God. Like they're, that that's, they're good. Right. But if you think mm -hmm. about, you know, they, they, they're, they're solid and they've established themselves like but in real estate years, I'm like a baby. Right. Because there's like family firms that have been around for, you know, decades. Right. So uh, multiple decades. So, um, you know, so, you know, I've always tried to say, you know, what's going to help us to perform in this type of market where we have established payers well capitalized is to try to do things a little bit differently um so we embrace very early on like an outsourcing model for non-key functions that's helped us to be remote and helped us to grow um and help our business be less capital um, intensive on the on the operational side but i've also i think as i've gotten older as a ceo and hopefully more wise like committed myself to rethinking not just the business model because i think we've tweaked the business model quite a bit but um from what i thought it would be when i first found it in 2004 but just rethinking our practices right and so and listening right so i think that's i guess that's culture right so it's simple as you know we do our monday morning meetings we do our deal reviews we do our pipeline reviews we do our accounting reviews all this stuff on mondays and, you know, we had a way of doing it where I would start by, hey, let's go through all these deals and give me an update. And, and now I'm looking at it as I looked at it over the, you know, over um, the New Year's. I said, how can I do this differently? How can I make it more productive for my folks? Um, and so now it's more collaborative. It's more them, you know, my, my, my colleagues telling me, hey, these are the issues that we need to address, right? So I and 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 maybe in a year or two that won't be the right way to uh, to 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 navigate that meeting. So I think our culture is we're always listening. We're health. We're, we're we do healthy debate amongst each other. I've never been into you know lines of seniority. You know I'm a founder. I have managing directors. We have senior project managers. Anybody can come to me or any of our team and say, hey, this is my idea and this is why I think it works. And we can say, I don't know why it works. And we can have a healthy debate about it and actually get a little argumentative and still be <laughs> okay, right? And, um, and so that's always been our culture. Um, and I think um, I just, you know, I believe that if you, if people, be, you know, believe in what you're doing and are excited about what you're doing and feel respected, that they're gonna wanna stay. And I think that's proven out. Does there like the communities that you own, the buildings that you own today, like, is that culture kind of, like, can you tell it's Genesis is part of this building, like by the culture of the building or the, like the, the resident manager, the way it looks, the way it's operated, or is there, does it carry over that way too? I hope it does. You know, it's something that I'm always trying to do. And I think we're still finding ourselves because, um, you know, um, I would say that we have, our business model has grown into, you know, taking over problematic um, properties, mm -hmm. ones that are either underperforming, have issues where either the city or the lenders or the financial institution come to us and say, hey, guys, we know you guys can do a quality job. Can you look at this and take this over? Those types of jobs, right, <laughs> you know, 
what I've learned is that those take three, five years to really turn around. Um, mm. so we're still seeing and we're still exploring and we're still reinventing ourselves in those spaces. Um, and for example, I'll give you, um, I'll give you something like, you know, we thought, Hey, you're going, you create a more hot energy efficient space. You kind of get the heat running, right? Basic stuff, right? You mm. respond when people call you. Um, that's kind of what, what, you know, it sounds simple, but right. You know, <laughs> landlords aren't doing that. Right. So mm. we thought that would be the key, right. To changing. And then, and, and, you know, that's what we were doing and we were like, okay, it's helpful helping, but it's not you know, not the change we want, not the, not the impact, the stamp that we want. So now we're starting thinking more in terms of, okay, like, what do we need to be doing in these buildings and within these families to try to create a better living environment that helps to secure more quality, affordable housing, more healthy families coming out of this. And so now we're looking more into, okay, what partnerships can we have with, you know, nonprofit groups to help service maybe our populations, our tenants and our families. You know, what can we be doing from our perspective outside of property management? Can we be doing our tenant relations, right? Where we're coming in and saying, okay, we'll be at the soup kitchen. We'll help to promote the coat drive. We'll help to, you know, do various things to, um, you know, create the community, right, um, in these buildings. Um, and so, you know, I would say, yes, I hope that the culture is that. But most importantly, the culture that I want the tenants to know is that, or the families to know is that we're listening. And mm. if we get it right, we're going to try to respond and that we're always evolving, right, to try to be better and to understand what it is that we need to be doing and also understand how it is that we can do that and make money doing it. Because it's important that these yeah. properties are sufficient and financially profitable so that we can maintain what it is that we're trying to build. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, about the you know the beginning of the, of the firm and stuff. Take me back the t- time traveling back to. When you were a kid, like where'd you grow up? Kind of what were your influences? Did you have like, you know, what, how did you get to where you are? Were you, were you, was your family involved in real estate or did you have any examples of real estate in your life? So the answer to that is no, but <laughs> <laughs> not, you know, my family comes a long line of kind of service workers. My mom was a public employee for the city and worked in Harlem hospital. Um, my, uh, my dad ran community centers, um, you know, in the city. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a very kind of like community-based mind frame. And they were like, you know, blue collar workers. They, you know, they kind of busted their hump to to get me and my and my siblings um, kind of the best opportunities. The only thing I would say is they just had a avid belief, right? That education was, could make a difference in their kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I was in public school and I was in gifted and talented programs. And one of the teachers came to my mom and said, hey, you know, you should apply this kid to to Dalton. And Dalton was a very prestigious kind of private school. Yeah. Um, and um, and you know what my mom did? She did it. <laughs> 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 right. She did it, which was, you know, here's a woman traveling from the Bronx down to the Upper East Side and telling this little, you know, that you should you should enroll this this little black kid who I think is smart <laughs> in your school. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I went and did it and got in, right? And kind of you know um, set a new course. Um, and um, and my mom's I guess dedication, parents' dedication to that education, something I think was made a difference. I think mean, when I was growing up, and I didn't really you know know what business was when I was growing up. I wanted to be. Uh, either a politician or a lawyer, 
Yeah. <laughs> who's your favorite? Who's your favorite politician? Oh, you a politician man. hero. I did. You know, it's funny. Um, as a real estate person and the father of two daughters, um, I think there's a divide, right? Like as a father of two daughters, I love who ALC is. Like, I love who she is. Mm. And I love the example that she is for my daughters, right? You know, my daughters are mixed race, you know, black and Puerto Rican. And they have a phenomenal image of somebody who like is willing to buck the system and do something different and stand up for what she believes and be outspoken which is to me everything that you want your daughters to be mm-hmm. right so it's just phenomenal um you know on the on the what real about when you were a kid what about when you were a kid did you have any heroes i had, I I had loved, a politician you know, hero i will say when i was a kid i loved to listen to mario cuomo yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, you know, listening to him when he, I think it was a tale of two cities speech at the DNC. And I was not a big political person, but I remember that and being so inspired by it. I mean, I also remember obviously Jesse Jackson and Jesse Jackson, his speeches, but Maricoma to me was very intriguing. Um, and uh, like a New Yorker's New Yorker um, yeah, in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, and, um, and so, you know, I would say, I don't think I knew a lot about his policies or what it meant, but his speeches like, you know, run, you know, meant something to me when I yeah. listened to him and, and read. I, I grew up in New Jersey. So my, my, uh, my hero was Bill Bradley was Senator there. Okay. And so, and he was in the Knicks, you know, he played the Knicks and, um, <laughs> he was like him and like Don Mattingly were my two heroes growing up. And, uh, and so I remember I was in the airport, Dallas airport, uh, couple years ago six years ago and there's a guy behind me he looks like look just like bill bradley and i was like oh, okay and i got past him like, I'm like you know you, you you look like bill bradley and he's like i am bill bradley and so i got to take, <laughs> i got to take my picture with my childhood hero i was like the only 10 year old who was like this the senator <laughs> my childhood hero he was such a badass though i remember yeah. him running, for, running for president he's like i don't believe in religion <laughs> and like everyone's like all right you're gonna lose but <laughs> I know, right? No, he was, I mean, I never met him, but you could tell he just seemed like a really solid guy. What a fantastic life. I mean, playing basketball and just doing so much on the political side. Yeah. So definitely a, ph- a phenomenal. I, I, you know, I never got to watch him um, play basketball. So I well, me neither. We're too, we're too young for that. He was, <laughs> he was back in like the sixties. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you, you got into college. Like what, were, what were you like, you want to be a lawyer or a politician? Uh, it's kind of the, the, kind of the way I was going too. I was, I went, Right. My, L- my LSATs and all that jazz. Um, when did you and how did you kind of transition into real estate or find, even find out about real estate? Honestly, you know, when I was in college, I didn't even know anything about business. I remember like I was so I was student body president and I started meeting some of the trustees and this trustee took an interest in me and said, hey, you know, you should come do an internship, you know, at Merrill Lynch. Uh, yeah. And uh, in Chicago, of all places, I'm like, you know what? Victoria worked in Chicago. Love for Chicago. A little bit. I do love Chicago. I will. Yeah, I didn't mean that to slight my friends from, uh, from uh, was it the Midway or whatever. But um, yeah. but uh, the oh my gosh, the the winters over there. I had the one of the best summers of my life in Chicago. I was living mm-hmm. in Lincoln Park. I was playing flag, you know, flag football. I mean, it was just. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And mm-hmm. then the winter came. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm tough because I'm a New Yorker, but I was like, holy <laughs> smokes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I was, I think I had moved to like Lakeshore Drive, which I don't know why I did that. I wake up and be like, oh, this is a beautiful view. And then come outside and be like, what the heck was I? <laughs> like, I'm literally going to be swept up and go into the lake right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I forgot what I was answering. Oh, but, right. oh yeah. So, yeah. So um, he took an interest in me and he said, you should go into being a bank banker. I said, what do you mean? I'm going to sit down and just, you know, look at numbers all day. And he, that's what I thought business was. No idea. Right. By the way, I went to Amherst College. So I didn't have to take any math. I didn't take math. Yeah. I didn't even take math 101. I took like math 50. <laughs> yeah. You're like me, man. Yeah. Same way. Um, like a math person. So he was like, look, you know, it's not like that. Try it out. And I, and I, when I did, when I did it for the summer, I, I enjoyed it, but it opened up. He was a kid from the Bronx and Harlem. I did nothing about business and banking and it kind of opened up a brand new um horizon for me and i'm sure my parents who like knew about doctors and lawyers like what are you doing right now like all the sacrifices so um and then i would say you know throughout my career banking and private equity um you know i really i mean the skills that you get from those jobs are phenomenal right especially in the financial acumen i began to believe myself when it came to math right i wasn't so bad at it like understanding numbers and how they worked, having great mentors there. Um, but when I got to private equity, I mean, I really learned how to make an investment and think about investments and evaluate investments. And um, that was, you know, something that I needed. Um, and then, uh, but I wasn't passionate about technology, which is what I was investing in. And I made the very hard decision to say, you know, I got to find something that I'm passionate about because, you know, there's tons of smart people doing this work. And I'm going to get out competed. Um, and so yeah. that's when I decided to go to business school. Um, and um, and that's when I decided to explore um, various other fields. And I said to myself, you know, what am I good at? What do I like? You know, the politician, you like to be around people. I thought I was good at that. Um, mm. I knew I had financial acumen. Um, and I wanted to have something that was meaningful and tangible as part of my work. And so real estate was really natural fit for me. Um, and so I began to just start exploring various, you know, uh, avenues. Um, I used to go, I used to tell people, I used to literally go, um, a couple of times, um, you know, maybe once, maybe every one or two months, I would go down to Harlem and go to the community board meetings. That's where they talk about some of the real estate projects that are happening in the communities. I'd go and attend and just happened to meet my, my first bosses there. We're developing a, a, at the first time one of the first affordable and market rate condominiums in Harlem, and everybody was like, "That's not going to work." You know, poor people won't live with rich people. What are you doing? And, <laughs> and they end up doing phenomenal. It just shows you how much we progress, right? Like now, nobody would ever question that now. Yeah. And so, um, and so, and then from there, you know, it took off and and started Genesis almost a year later. Um, you know, with some friends from, uh, from, from school. So, um, you know, that's kind of how it all got started. And then you were doing, I mean, we're always in affordable. Did you kind of like, and like, how did you get your first deal where you kind of just out there kind of putting a, passing a hat around type of thing or where, how, yeah, how did that you all work? remember what was happening in 2004? I know you're not that. Yeah, guy. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm 44, man. It was man. like yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, like yeah. Everybody was a developer. It, yeah. it was like condo mania. Right, yeah. I think maybe you're too young for this, but. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was in high school, but. <laughs> <laughs> she read about it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> or something, but. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, right? And like, so I started this business with, you know, 
two two folks um, that you know a dad and then a, a son that I had that I had gone to school with, and we were trying to like figure out you know I had some connection in New York, like oh we can do a deal, I know a little bit right, and so I'm like looking at all these deals, condo deals going all around me, and um, like we were just we were very disciplined because we all came from a hardcore financial background, and we just couldn't mm. find a deal that got us comfortable, and so we really just sat on our hands looking for stuff. Um, and then we came across this deal in, you know, not so fantastic area of Jersey City, um, you know, through some community, a community woman who I had met through a friend. And we ended up doing a deal with her and and getting the city to back our first project, which was a 100 percent affordable, 100 percent green. Um, oh, really? At, at that part. At that point, it was, you know, we're still into lead. So it was like lead, whatever. Broad, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, how did you understand the affordable? I mean, the affordable part of it, it's like scares a lot of people off. Like not like you the know, actual element, but the, the legalese I, and all that. I stuff. was too stupid to know how the market <laughs> rates stuff gone because I hadn't done one of those yet. So people yeah. were like, you should do that. Like I knew market rate wasn't going to work. And so I was like, how can I make this work? And so, you know, I give credit to my everybody who taught me how to understand financial stuff and kind of figured it out and applied for LIHTC, had to work some politics and got the deal done. Um, and um, and so I was baptized through that deal and actually had some very good consultants help me. And then kind of once you do it, you kind of know it, right? And that was a new construction, 9%. Uh, wow, yeah, yeah. Those are hard to get allocated to, at least no, now. Hard to get allocated. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, in New Jersey, the state's very, you know, it's very um, programmatic. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, you evaluate, they evaluate every application and they score it and there's really no messing around. So we have to figure out a way to, um, you know, to get, to get, to get those points. So that ended up working. And, um, we actually were the, we were talking about sleepless nights. Not only was a developer, I was the general contract. This is my first deal. <laughs> general oh, contract. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we had to, we hired folks and that was the only way we could see to make money, right? You had to be the GC and the developer and we ended up doing okay. Um, you know, the deal itself was 40 units. So it was a little bit small. We probably wouldn't do that now, but it mm -hmm. started off with this new construction, low income housing tax credit model. We started talking to the city about doing deals this is back when the New York city had land. So, um, there was opportunities to build affordable housing there. So we got an allocation there and we kind of started taking off that way. Um, that's aggressive. 40 units, new construction <laughs> for your first and, deal. And, right. Exactly. First deal. And you're the GC. So I'm the boss of these folks who know how yeah. to build. You know, one of the things I would always say is like, you know, people are like, how do you walk into that room, room and know what the heck you're doing? And I feel like you listen and you just try to ask questions that make sense to you. And when you don't know, you're like, I don't understand what you're telling me. You got to explain it better. Um, and, yeah. you know, and, you know, you can't be afraid to do that because if you're afraid to do that, you end up making mistakes. That's great. Uh, and so you started out doing affordable stuff and it's, you've mainly done affordable since then and kind of how, like, what's the, some of your, I mean, I'm just, I've seen it in the news and stuff. What are your, some, some more of your, like, how's the company grown and what are some of the more recent deals you've done? So, um, we were hardcore new construction, you know, kind of using affordability resource, affordable resources. And I'd say now, um, we have kind of turned, the entry is turned as well because the need to, you know, land is not readily available as it used to be, right? So now the need to preserve housing has become uh, really important. And so our company has kind of switched to an eye now on 
preserving affordable housing. We still do some some new construction. We still have a bunch of that in our pipeline. Um, and um, but we've now become kind of a go to person for problematic deals mm. that oh yeah you said that um, and um, and that model is completely different. So instead of kind of we still have some some semblance of our contracting, but that's really become more physical upkeep of our buildings um, and trying to like not have to go out to third party contractors to do a more complex work. So we keep that in house, but now we we're much more into property management mm. and developing these communities and focusing on those. We're also doing larger deals now on the preservation side, right? Because you know, there's opportunity to get to, to really grow your portfolio faster and, and to take larger buildings down. And so that's had our unit count, uh, you know, um, kind of rocket up much faster. Um, and that changes your mentality now as well. So, you know, the new construction lie tech model is more developer fees and you got to kind of have a lot of those in order to make it. We're now much more focused on, you know, generating cash flow on a per unit per building basis and increasing that cash flow over time, really through trying to um, implement, you know, energy efficient measures as much as we can into our portfolios and managing them well and taking advantage of, you know, resources on the revenue side that might be available. Um, and that's kind of really been our focus, um, you know, over the last few years. And, you know, obviously we, um, you know, we just got um, a new deal with the housing authority in New York city, um, which, um, you know, is, 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 is almost 650 some odd units and 40. Yeah. Um, where we'll be preserving. I mean, NYCHA has, um, NYCHA to New York City Housing Authority has, you know, had uh, a long history of kind of deferred capital uh, maintenance that needs to happen in the buildings. And it's an opportunity for us to get into a portfolio where we're, you know, um, where it's where we're really based and where we have a lot of um, expertise and mm-hmm. to try to deliver, you know, better quality to the tenants and try to create a more, you know, financially sustainable model. I'm really excited about the opportunity. I'm really excited about the team. Um, it's the first MBE team to be able to 100% MBE team to be able to take on a project like this in the city. Um, and so that's important. And, you know, there's a community center that's linked to it. So we have big plans, hopefully, to you know do some more in terms of expanding the scope of services um, yeah. that's doing. So we're really excited about it. Where are the buildings? So they, they are all around, <laughs> I'd say, between... 142nd and 144th and you know uh, between Linux and uh, Adam Clayton Powell which is essentially 6th and 7th Avenue um, depending on you know what's the name of the con- is it a co- one complex yeah it's called the the Samuel City Apartments it's actually broken up into a, a bunch of different buildings um, but it's it's most of the Samuel City they actually broke that whole project into two they um they um uh they um uh RFP, you know, each part of it. So we got the second portion, which is, you know, um, the portion that that wasn't RFP kind of prior. Oh, nice. How many units is that? Six. I think it's about six hundred fifty units. Oh, that's big. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, that somebody kind of took you under their wing, and like, how do you gain exposure to finance? Like, we, Victoria and I, work. One of our colleagues, his name's Dominique. He's from uh, Trinidad. Um. He came to the U.S. for college and, and was in real estate. He started as an engineer, then he was in real estate acquisitions, and now for some reason he's a recruiter. But uh, 
<laughs> well, that's one of the things he's trying to do is like, you know, he didn't know, he had no exposure to finance or banking. He didn't even know it existed until he got, you know, or any of this stuff to me, too. Is there some sort of uh, I mean, what's out there? It seems like yours was more a little bit like just maybe happens. I mean, you did a great job at school, so people took notice of you. But like, are there programs out there that help expose kids from, like you said, Harlem or the or the or the South Bronx, or whatever that, uh, you know, let these let these kids know, hey, there's more, there's a bigger world out there as far as careers go. Yeah, I think there are. I know, um, NYSAFA, I think Project Reap, and um, a bunch of some organizations. Um, you know, um, do have, I think ULI and even um, uh, uh, have some programs for younger folks. Um, you know, there's, the city has these, some of these uh, programs where you can come in and do internships. And you know, I, I um, you know, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, not being afraid to be aggressive in the network, like, um, and trying to reach out to folks and understanding kind of what it is that, you know, you're interested in doing. Um, and um and and exploring opportunities i tell folks who kind of come to me you know think about like what it is that your skill base is right and you know don't just say hey i want to be a developer i want to be this like let's think about like what's your skill base and what is that you like doing what you're good at and then there's so many different avenues to go down if you want to be in real estate right doesn't all have to lead to development and so I think exploring those understanding and then there's also paths to get to development that's where you want to go that don't have to just mean starting with a real estate development firm. Like there are plenty of phenomenal real estate developers that started working for the city, you know, yeah. some of the little housing agencies. Um, and there's programs, internships that link into those agencies where you can grow and then re and then come out and go into banking or go into development, you know, however, you know, your skills kind of your skill set kind of makes sense or into property management, right? So um, I think, you know, the answer is yes, there are. Um, I think folks have got to get creative and think through what is that makes sense for them. And I think in terms of folks who aren't normally accessible, I think that's my role, your role, Chris and Victoria's role is to get out and talk to people about, hey, these are opportunities. And so they can see us like people like me, people like, you know, I'm partnering with Kim Morrison, who started Lamore, people like Ken, um, you know, who grew up in these communities. Right. And other folks who didn't and say, you know, this is something that we can do. So. Um, you know, and us also offering, you know, real um, internship opportunities for folks. So I think we start by showing, hey, we can do a quality job and we're doing good stuff in these communities so people can become inspired by our work. Awesome, man. That's great. Um, back to the a little more uh, about the affordable. Well, actually, what are the what are the good skill sets for a developer? It sounds like you wanted to be a politician and a lawyer and you're kind of doing both, right? <laughs> Let me tell you, you definitely have to be a little bit of a politician and a lawyer <laughs> to do real estate, right? So real estate development, at least. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, look, I think I, in my view, everything starts with understanding the basis of finance, right? Like, I think you have to understand how to, can you make money? How can you create something sustainable? how you know how do you generate a return on investment right because i think it's you know, we can talk about all these lofty things and ambitions but you know um you know unless you have that model you know you're just running into barriers um yeah. real estate is also a very capital intensive business so i mean those are the things that create um you know barriers right so we got to figure out a lot of folks how to deal with that and how do you manage that 
Um, so I think creativity around financial structures and um, is very important um, from my perspective. Uh, and then I think you got to have a vision, right, for what you want to do. Um, and, um, and, and, and try to figure out how to make that practical and attainable, right? You know, folks come to me all the time and say, hey, you know what? I'm living in, you know, I'm living in um, uh, New Hampshire, but I want to go buy these houses in uh, Tennessee or in, you know, Colorado. And, mm. you know, it's a great buy. And here's why. And I'm like, you know, have you ever been there? Do you live there? Do you, what do you know about the neighborhoods? You know, it's a local business, right? And so in a lot of ways, you have to understand, you know, what, creates value how you're going to manage it how you're going to make money and what the real expenses are to doing it yeah um, and then have some vision about what you wanted to become right so um you know and i always tell folks you got to try to think bigger than what you even think you're if you're thinking big think bigger right because it's so important to have um um a vision that's gonna you know uh, be bigger than what you think it should be because i think that's the only way you grow right and then you have to be mm -hmm. malleable i think you have to be willing to to pivot and change course because, you know, markets are dynamic um, and they're competitive and that is what make America, that's what makes America great. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think you have to be willing to rethink your model when it makes sense um, and understand kind of what, what's happening. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how we've gone about, gone about it. That's awesome. I mean, the affordable world's getting a little more crowded, right? People are catching on. This is like, I've been working in it for, <laughs> 10 plus years and victoria's been working she was in the bit on the business side for a number of years yeah. um and now it's like it's pretty sexy right everyone wants to dance with the dance with you like how, <laughs> how how has that changed things and made th things a lot more competitive and kind of how do you try to stand out i guess too look i think it's i mean look real estate in new york and in the northeast is it i mean just as it is on the on the west coast extremely competitive i mean i don't you know land prices are soaring i think the you know, I think, you know, the biggest differentiator is that there's still a lot to vet through, right, when it comes to um, the regulation, the politics and policies around how it's all going to work, right? You know, we just had an eviction moratorium for a long time, right? We just had a some laws passed, you know, restricted what you could do in terms of rent increases, um, you know, so... I think there's a lot of unknowns. And so, um, look, there's a lot of euphoria around affordable. It's a safe investment relative to some other bets. And, you know, I think capital flows um, uh, vary, right, with the market. And that's how it should be. And affordable is hot right now. And it may not be hot in, you know, five years. But I think from my perspective, I'm not worried about any of that. I think we got to figure out how to make good investments and how to, uh, create sustainable value, how to create recurring cash flow in a growing, mm. growing way. Um, and if we focus on those things, I'm not really that worried about the competition. You know, I don't think we want to be reaching for stuff because somebody else says, Oh, you know, I'll bid 12 million. So yeah, I'm going to bid 13 million. Yeah. That's not our game. You know, we try to stay low. We try to understand what's happening on the local ground. We try to know where our community partners are so that we can figure out deals that can be had. Um, and, um, and when we get, when we go outfit for a deal, we bet that we know more than our competition um, because we've been there and done that. Um, and so that's the way we look to compete. Gotcha. Uh, well, cool, man. Well, now are you ready for the next part of the, uh, the interview? The hot seat. I'm nervous. Oh. The hot 
Hot Seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofit startups and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple of days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com. K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. It's very hot. I don't like oh. hot, man. I don't like hot. I'm from New York. Come on. I like hot. <laughs> I love hot. I'm from New Jersey. I, I'm not living in New Jersey because I like that. <laughs> it never gets, it never gets uh, humid. It's not humid out here, which is good. All right. So uh, do I get what, it's only one word answers? I can oh, just, no, you can give it. You can, you, you can oh, so I could just, if I could just answer, I could just take 40 minutes to answer one hot seat question. And then I, I only know. Get then it, it'll be, it'll be cooled off by the time you <laughs> finish there. <laughs> That's like an old politician strategy, right? Just keep keep answering, keep, keep answering, talking. Right? Yeah, yeah, keep talking. The, I'm so sorry you only got to one question, Chris. I Ask really... yourself another question, answer it. <laughs> or just answer the different question. Just... Right, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try yeah. that on you. <laughs> Karim is doing the answer different questions. <laughs> I know. That's what I always do. Too. Stick to the line. Like, I remember George... The younger George Bush, he would always do that. He would just stick to the stick to the message. Stick to the message. Right. Stick, stick to, the, to message. the message. Yeah, he's smart. Ex- smart. Yeah, one. Uh, all right, you already kind of answered this already, but uh, you can do it maybe a little more. You can try it again. If not, we can skip to the next one. Do you have any advice for anyone looking to start out in the real estate? Well, in affordable housing, how about that? Um, development specifically. Um understand that everything takes longer than you think like much longer than you think (laughs) (laughs) because yeah nothing happens fast i think that would be my my best advice i mean i think folks think about real estate development hey i got a project i can get this done i'm gonna get paid in a year not gonna happen right like multiple 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 years figure out what does your life look like doing this project for multiple years um and then i also say it's not a part-time job um, it's not a part-time job and, um, you know, there's a lot of weeds that need to be mowed, um, to get <laughs> stuff done. Right. And, um, and so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta roll your sleeves up and if it's your first project, you're probably gonna be doing a lot of that. Um, and the last thing I would say is like, I think partnerships are phenomenal. Understand what it is that you're doing when you get into a partnership. Not every partnership is great and not every partnership is bad. Um, and I think oftentimes, you know, you get convinced, Hey, you know, you're new partner with this person, partner with that. And you got to just be careful and understand what you're getting out of it, right? Um, and um, and make sure you grab that value if you're doing a partnership, right? So you're trying to get money out of it. You got to make sure you get, you get what you what you what you what you want out of it. Like you're trying to get experience, and you need to you need to make sure you figure out, okay, I'm going to do this part of this deal, and it's going to be my part in this partnership, right? So that you get that experience. So don't just go into a partnership and say, hey, I'm doing it because I got a partner to get the deal done. Understand what it is that you're trying to do and have that link to what it is your growth strategy is so that you can make it successful for yourself. 
Nice. That was different. Chris, come on, man. Give me credit. That was a good one. That was a great answer. That was a great <laughs> answer. Victoria okay. da- Victoria texted me. She's like, he's gonna blow it. I'm like, I think he's gonna <laughs> so I think he's gonna I, th- I think he's gonna nail it. And you nailed it, man. You nailed I won. It. I won the bet. We got our vote. We got our vote. <laughs> so what is your most memorable deal? Uh, I think my most memorable deal was the deal we did to purchase um the Abyssinian development portfolio. You know, there was a very historic nonprofit and church that had done some phenomenal things in Harlem and just had reached a point where they needed to, you know, shed some assets. And um, you, there were a lot of issues, politics, financial, et cetera, involved with the deal. And, um, you know, um, was one that kept me up late at night and with a lot of anguish, but I think I learned a lot. Um, and I learned a lot from a lot of the aftermath involved with it. And so, um, you know, I would definitely say that was at the time, you know, it was at the time my biggest deal it was, tw- it was 28 buildings, 258 units. So, um, I would say that was definitely one of my more memorable ones. Awesome. And then besides like hard skill set, like what do you look for in hiring people? Is there some sort of like, say a junior person's looking to interview with you. Is there some sort of like soft skills that you like that this person could work? You know, I I like to see, um, you know, I like to see like a um, a commitment to some, like they want to be committed and they want to um, uh, committed to some vision of themselves, right? Um, and I think that, you know, I can work with that, right? If that vision fits with what we're trying to do, like we can work with that because you're going to work hard to accomplish what you feel like innately you want to see yourself you know um uh do and and so i think that's the most important thing if you're trying to hire you know somebody especially at the more junior levels um because you can teach a lot of skills um and um but i think that passion for for some vision for themselves it's hard to it's hard to sometimes find and, and you don't want and, and, you know, to the extent somebody's still trying to explore what they're trying to do, um, I think that makes you more nervous about, you know, where they're going to end up. Now, that's not to say that you can't change your mind and say, this is not for me. You know, it's totally fine, right? Or grow in mm-hmm. some different way. Um, um, but I like to see some, you know, commitment to some vision for themselves that fits into what the company is trying to do. Awesome. Uh, so you talked a little bit about earlier about um, the, when you were talking about culture at the firm and the and the culture in your properties, um, but talked a little bit about impact. But we'd love to hear, like, how does your firm currently like have impact? Look, it's easy to have a certain level of impact when you're an affordable housing developer. But I I think you know we see ourselves as advocates for the next generation of of developers, especially MBE developers um, who have found it hard to get into real estate and to become owners of businesses on the real estate side, you know, a lot of work has been done around, you know, equity in terms of home ownership, but I think equity in terms of um, entrepreneurial real estate um, is not always talked about more now it is. Um, And so I think we see ourselves as advocates and supportive of folks who have gone out to become leaders in the real estate industry. You know, it's, you know, there's everybody lives in housing, right? I mean, right. Mm -hmm. And um, there should be, uh, a more diverse group of folks who are owners in that, you know, more women, more people of color. Um, and, um, 
And I think there is some benefit uh, to that, right? Um, you know, for for us as communities, as diverse communities, right? Um, and I mean diverse communities, like wide range of communities, whether it's in somewhere in Colorado or whether it's somewhere in the Bronx, right? Um, and so um, I think we see ourselves as advocates from that perspective and, and proud of our work to do that. And I would say one of the most proudest um, uh, observations I can make is that, you know, Genesis is been the home for at least two or three people who have gone out to become CEOs to start their own business in the real estate world and they're making a difference. Um, you know, one of our alums is out in out in um, LA, I forget the name of his firm now, but um, working for a, a nonprofit. Um, another one started a business here that's, you know, doing so much stuff to what we're doing in, in, in New York. And, you know, if we can if we continue to grow folks who are doing some phenomenal work, um, you know, we're really happy. So, you know, that's part of um, what I think is our biggest impact.